Welcome to the Nation's Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. All right, I want you to turn to your Bibles with me as we get into the Word of God today. Uh, And we're going to go to Judges chapter 6, Judges chapter 6 and verse 11. And what is happening in this period of time is we're going to land in a period of time in 1100 BC, so about over 3,000 years ago, uh, where the nation of Israel, it says they were hiding in caves and mountains because for seven years, the Midianites and the Amalekites and neighbouring nations would come in and come and destroy their crops and steal their sheep, their cattle, their goats and reduce the nation of Israel to poverty and starvation. So we drop in a period of time where the Israelites are in a bad place. They're in not good shape. They're hiding. And the Bible says the Israelites cried out to the Lord. So we're going to pick up in verse 11. And it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide grain from the Midianites. Fair enough, he's hiding from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go. Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. I want to speak to a message today titled, You Are the Plan. You are the plan. And I've been married 11 years now uh, to my husband, Judson. And like many of you, when we like to have a little bit of a break and kick back, we like to throw a movie on. And you'd think by now, after 11 years, we'd get each other, but we always ask the same question, what kind of movie do you want to watch tonight? He's like, what kind of movie do you want to watch tonight? And I always say the same thing, I want to watch a drama. I want to watch a drama, and if it's based on a true story, there's no question, that is the movie we're watching. Is anyone else a drama lover? Five hands. Uh, And for him, he always says, action. He always wants to watch action and this is the problem I have with action is that first of all there's a lot of action uh, and that's boring and I will fall asleep and second of all it's just the same plot line over and over again. I don't know how many times we need to watch Spider-Man, how many Avengers movies they need to make, how many Mission Impossible movies they need to make. We get it Tom Cruise, we get it. We get it, the mission is possible, you know, like how many times do they have to make these movies? But I find that there's a lot of correlation actually, believe it or not, with those kinds of movies because in those movies, there's always the problem, the world is going to end, the world is going to explode, we've heard it over and over again and then what's the plan? Well, there's a dude, there's a guy, he's going to rise up, he's going to, he might have a team, he might not, Tom Cruise. And he's just going to go save the world and solve all of our problems. It's like the same story. And there is correlation, I believe, with actually a lot of these action movies and the life that we live today. Because the world that we live in is fallen. It's full of sin. 
there's death, there's destruction, there's a lot going on. Do you know right now, right now in the world, there's 21 wars across the world. We always hear about and, you know, we get into the latest war, but honestly, there's people still struggling in different wars around the world. There's corruption, there's sadness, there's loneliness, there's trafficking, there's abuse, there's hurt. There's so many dark things going on around the world. And, and even in Australia, we don't have to look far in our own backyard and our broken world needs saving. And that's why God sent Jesus Christ to come onto this earth, to die for our sins, to redeem us. And He rose again from the dead, defeating death, conquering death and giving all of us, if not most of us in this room, can I get an amen? Freedom, freedom in this life, eternity with Jesus. And I can testify wholeheartedly to that fact. It is good news. It's great news. And you know, yet, and yet through all of that, I still look around and I see that there is hurt and there is darkness in this world. And it's like, God, what are you doing? Where are you? What are you going to do about this problem? And I'm here to tell you today that He has a plan and that plan is you. (laughs) You are that plan. Gideon had the same issue. He was in that wine press and the angel of the Lord showed up to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And Gideon looked at the angel of the Lord and instead of going, whoa, whoa, like this is amazing, who are you? He just said, well, where have you been? He said, where have you been? If you're here, you you just said you're here with us, where are you? Where are you, the God that my ancestors told me about that did all of these miracles? And Gideon said, why have you abandoned us, Lord? And the Lord turned to Gideon and said, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. I'm here and I'm actually choosing to send you. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You are the body of Christ. This tells me that we are his hands and feet. This tells me that we represent Jesus on our earth. So when we talk to someone, when we share with someone, when we give to someone, the way that He wants the world to see, hear and experience Him is through you and I. Luke 10 verse 2 says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus said this, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. I remember reading this as a child and and thinking, surely He's going to say, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to reap the harvest. Yes, God's going to come. He's going to save everyone. And I was shocked to find that it said, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers to his harvest field. Even at a young age, I read that and knew, oh, yeah, he wants to use me to be a part of his plan on this earth. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, well, who am I? Who am I, Clara, to be used by God? Maybe you've got struggles that you're facing right now. Maybe you've done some things in your past and and you're saying, you don't know the things that I've done. How can God use me? And Gideon also had that same question. Gideon was the guy that... In high school, when the, when the phys ed teacher picks the two captains and they have to pick, they have to take turns picking who they want on their team, Gideon was the guy that was picked last. You know what I mean? 
It's that awkward moment. Everyone's like waiting, waiting. Oh, that awkward moment where that last kid gets picked because he's not the strongest in that sport. He's not the weakest. He's not. And that was the vibe of Gideon. Okay. And he says, he said in verse 15, but Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I am the least in my entire family. And yet God still chose to use him. He still chose to use him. Do you know why? Because God is in the business of using ordinary people like you and I. Pastor Chrissy preached this so well last week. Jesus had 12 disciples. They were super ordinary. Imagine following him for three years. They followed Jesus around, learning from him. Jesus would heal every single sick person that approached Jesus. He would heal them if they wanted healing. And he would teach to crowds of thousands and he would blow people's minds by what he was teaching. And he was amazing. And imagine their surprise when one day Jesus turned to them and said, I'm sending you out now. Everything that you've seen me do, he literally raised people from the dead. Jesus says, you will do greater things. That scripture, I tell you, I know you just want to flip the page in the Bible, but he's trying to stir us. He's trying to stir us to make you realise that you are the plan. Put your hand up if you've got a weakness and keep it up. Put your hand up. Is anyone in this room got a weakness? All right, now look around. If you've got your hand up, you're qualified to be used by God. (laughs) And if you don't have your hand up, (laughs) come and join Bible college. And we will get your hand up. <laughs> um, some of you would know that my little sister is Celine. So Celine's here today. I give everyone a wave. Celine, my little sister. She leads junior high at the Myra campus and she's amazing. And we're 11 years apart. And when Celine was about 11 years of age, 12 years of age, we started noticing that um, parts of her hair were falling out. And eventually Celine was diagnosed with alopecia so that's where um, her hair is now fallen out and we're actually believing and the healing is actually taking place right now which is cool Uh, but she was diagnosed with that and it was so heartbreaking obviously for Celine and for us to have to watch because for anyone that is difficult but to step into your first year of high school and to have this um, to have this issue weighing upon your shoulders it really just broke my heart, and it broke her heart. And when she was about 15, she came to a nation's youth conference that we were running. She was going to another church at the time and she came to the youth conference and she recommitted her life back to God and just from that point had a radical encounters with God where she, her identity was planted back in Jesus and just God changed her life. And in her public high school at the time, she was 15, she started a year seven lunchtime group. And she would run games, she built a team, she's amazing, would run games, would tell people about her testimony, invite people to church, to the youth group. Fast forward a couple of years later, uh, we're carpooling, there's so many kids that we're carpooling from that, from Thornley, it's actually a public school in Thornley, to this campus at Myrie. Um, we had to end up hiring a bus to transport all of these kids and some of those um, students are still part of our church today in in positions of leadership and all sorts of things. Like just phenomenal uh, what God is doing and has done in Celine's life but 
you know, God had to use her despite her insecurity that was so weighing her down and robbing her of her purpose in God and robbing her of her future and what God wanted to do with her. And you know, God used her despite it and God can use you despite your weaknesses, flaws and your insecurities. Don't let them get in the way. And maybe your insecurity is not that, but it's inside. And it's like when I'm preaching to you, you are the plan on the outside. You're nodding on the inside. You're like, no, 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 that person is the plan. You know, you're thinking, yeah, she's, Celine's the plan. Yes, like you've got, no, I'm saying you are the plan. And it's because the reason why we think that is because we actually have a bit of Christian insecurity where we think those Christians are better than me. Those Christians are the evangelists. Those are the ones that share the gospel. Those are the ones that are bold enough to, to heal, the, to pray for the sick. But no, God is choosing you despite your weaknesses, your flaws and your insecurities. You know, He doesn't define you by your weaknesses. When the angel of the Lord showed up to Gideon, he said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. He didn't say ordinary man. He didn't say, you know, Gideon from the least of the least of the least tribe, I'm with you. He said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. How contradictory is that to say, to call someone mighty hero when he was literally hiding in a wine press at the time, hiding from the Midianites. It's like, are you serious, God? Are you real? Are you seeing what's going on. And God knows. He sees the natural, but He sees beyond that. He sees who you really are. And he's, when He speaks, He speaks perfect truth into your life. So don't be defined by your weaknesses. Ephesians 2 says, you are God's masterpiece. Either you are His masterpiece or He's lying. So you need to understand, am I God's masterpiece or not? Because when He speaks to you, He speaks perfect truth. You are not defined by your weaknesses, church. You are not defined by these things. He's calling you out today. He's chosen you. You are the plan to bring His love and His goodness to the world around us. The other reason why He's not intimidated by our weaknesses is because He partners with us. He partners with us. And so I want to look at two verses uh, in Judges 6 to to illustrate this point. Uh, Because when God sends you out, He doesn't go, you are the plan, go have fun, have a crack, have a go. He doesn't just leave you. He goes with us. So it says there's these two verses. Verse 14 says, the Lord turned to Gideon and said, go with the strength you have, okay? So that's part one. And then in verse 16, it says, the Lord said to him, I will be with you. So this is the illustration of the partnership, is that one, you have to go in the strength that you have. That's a part of it. And two, he will go with you. We need both in this partnership, not one without the other. He could do it without us, but He chooses not to. He does do it sometimes in history these days. Yes, of course He can. He's God. But the majority of the time, He actually chooses to use you and I. Acts 1 verse 8, uh, Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then it says, You will be my witnesses to everyone in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So there's two parts there again. You will receive power, which is God's part, God going with you. And the second part is you will be my witnesses. That's the part where you need to go in the strength you have. It's always been a partnership. And 
God saying, I will be with you is of the paramount importance. I think we all can agree and know that that part of the partnership uh, carries the heavy lifting. You know, when, when I buy a heavy piece of furniture and I get a few muscly men to come and help me carry that furniture into the house, they're all lifting it. And I like to come in, I like to be part of it, so I'll stand in the middle and I will carry my weight. But who knows that they are doing the heavy lifting and in a partnership with God, surely He does the heavy lifting because we are weak. And like when this this revelation hit me when I was a young person, it changed my life because suddenly I was no longer insecure because I realised, well, it's all good because in my weaknesses, His strength is made perfect. So it's actually okay to have some insecurities and weaknesses because then God's super comes upon our natural. His dunamis, His supernatural power works through us. And obviously He's the one that heals, not me. He's the one that saves, not me. He delivers, He provides, He brings freedom. It's all God. And so that's why we need to go with God. We go with God. That is the partnership. I am not enough. We are not enough. And that's, that's good. That's okay. That's actually kind of liberating. We just bring what we have and let God breathe upon it. So let's look at going with the strength that, that you have. So in Matthew 14, uh, there's a story, a well-known story about when Jesus is preaching to a crowd of five, over 5,000 people. And many of us have heard this story. The people have been there a long day and the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, uh, can you please go tell the, dis- uh, the people to go home and, and get some food to eat? Because uh, probably they didn't want them to collapse on the way home or something. And, and Jesus kind of turned to them and said, well, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, yeah. So they've come to Jesus with a problem. And Jesus turns to them and says, what's your plan? What have you got? And the disciples go, oh, okay, so they find a young boy with some food. So they've got two pieces of fish and five loaves of bread. So they bring that to Jesus. And if you think about it, it's almost laughable that you would bring seven pieces of food to Jesus to feed over 5,000 people. It seems pretty ridiculous. But when God takes what you have, He takes the seemingly insignificant Thing that you and I have that seems laughable, that seems ridiculous, it seems like it's not enough. And when you take that and you bring that to God, He breathes on it and He multiplies and He fed all of those people that day. Think about the time where Jesus turned water into wine. He didn't turn nothing into wine. He had to turn the water into wine. So someone had to go out, fill up the pots with water and they had to present something that looked ridiculous to Jesus and then Jesus turned it into wine and it was a good party. (laughs) What is it that you think? is so insignificant that you have in your life. We've all got hands, we've got feet, we've got breath in our lungs, we've we've got the ability to pray. You've got a talent, you've got a gift. Every single person has something unique that the Lord has given to you. You've got resource, money, 
jobs, whatever it is that you have in your hand, what is it that seems so insignificant and small to you? And God's saying, if you just bring that to Him and, and allow Him to work with you, He will use you to be His plan on this earth. Amen. At college this year, uh, we had a guest speaker come from our church and his name is Dr. Ernie. Some of you might know him. He goes to our Myrie campus. He was here at the 9am service. Uh, and Ernie is a dentist and he's a really good dentist and he runs a dental practice called Photogenic Dental. And he's excellent. His team, the way that he set up his business and the care and the uh, excellence and skill that he provides as a dentist is so good. And I believe that that's because he worships God with his gift. And so he serves him in that way and he's a great dentist. But in recent years, he's kind of taken it to the next level in his walk with God, but he's been using what's in front of him. The sphere of influence that God's put in front of him. And he's been bringing Jesus into the dental practice. So when I tell you, he came and spoke at our college for, it would have been 90 minutes, over 60 minutes. There was a break in between of testimony after testimony after testimony. I'm talking about people being healed of all sorts of illnesses. He's treating their teeth. And then at the end, he's, God gives him a word of knowledge or he just asks if he can pray for them. He tells them about Jesus. It's just mind-blowing what goes on in a dental practice. I, I think he sees more healings in the dental practice than we might see in our church on a given week. And it's like, a dental practice. Try not, try not to take that story and go, that's good for Ernie because he's the plan. God uses him in a powerful way and he does. But God wants to do that in your life. He wants to, he wants to breathe upon your business, people in your world, in your workplace, what is your sphere of influence that God's got you in? Because it's a unique place that I will never step into. We all live in different neighbourhoods. We all live in different streets. We, you know, you all have different jobs. I'm probably never going to go to your neighbourhood, your workplace, the school that your children go to, the university that you might attend. You have a sphere of influence that God has placed you in to be his plan to that place. And he's, what is that insignificant? You, it might look small and insignificant, the place you're in, the things that you've got, but he wants to use you. And this week in our church is Go Week. I don't know if you've heard about Go Week, but it's Go Week. And it's when uh, our connect groups are empowered to hear from God and maybe go out and, and evangelise or do something, like get creative, and they can do anything they want to share the love of Jesus with their world this Christmas and I'm a part of a really cool connect group and it's full of young families and we've got just we're outnumbered by tiny tiny children <laughs> and just getting to connect is like a small miracle for all of us parents we're just like we made it and every time the connect ends I literally clap my hands and praise God I'm like, I can't believe we got through that because it's it's actually chaos <laughs> And last Saturday at Connect, uh, we, were plan we said, uh, our Connect leaders said, all right, let's start planning what we're going to do for Go Week. So this is one week out. We hadn't planned anything. 
We started to throw ideas together, our resources together, really bringing the skill set from different people, the little things that would seem so insignificant. And we ended up rocking up yesterday at Bob Gordon Reserve in Bull Creek. We had 50 gift bags made for children. So there was a Christmas Eve invite in there with lollies. There were toys, like Hot Wheels car. Like it was a legit good gift, like a little gift pack. We had free hot dogs going, so we had 100 hot dogs made. We had a girl in our connect who is an incredible face painter, so she sets up a free face painting stand because we know the young kids go crazy for face painting. And we all rocked up, just walked around the park, handing out free stuff. It was actually super fun. We felt like Oprah. And then... <laughs> And then we would just tell people about Jesus. Well, we just want, we're from Nations Church. We just want to share the love of Jesus this Christmas. Have you ever been to church? In a non-weird way, we just started to get to know, what do you do? Do you live around the area? Just started to connect with people and there were similar connections made and we know that there are going to be some pretty cool testimonies that come out of that. But at the end of the day, success is obedience. You know, we just stepped out with the little that we had, no matter the outcome. God's over the plan. He's over it all. He knows the intricacies. And so it's like, we just took what little we had. We had a little bit of money. We put it all together. We bought the hot dogs. You know, someone's on the snag. Someone's doing the face paint. The kids, like what can the kids bring to this? That was that next level thing where my own children are writing Christmas cards and drawing pictures saying, Jesus loves you, you know, Merry Christmas. It's like even the kids were involved going in the strength that they have We go in the strength that we have. We partner with the Holy Spirit and we let God do whatever He wants to do. What is the strength you have? What is the strength you have? I want to round up the story of Gideon by sharing with you what happened at the end for some closure. But Gideon Gideon received a strategy from the Lord. So he mustered up an army of 32,000 men to go into battle against the Midianites to deliver, to deliver themselves from oppression. They were being oppressed. They were in poverty. They were starving. So they went into battle. And on the way there, God spoke to Gideon and said, I don't want you to send 32,000 men. I only want you to send 300 with you. 300 men. That sounds pretty extraordinary, outrageous. The strategy, strategy seemed a bit bit shady to be honest but Gideon heard from the Lord and just obeyed he he responded obeyed and that day there was a great victory there was a great victory with 300 men and this is the victory that the Lord wants to bring into your world into your sphere of influence the victory of Jesus Christ to go out to be proclaimed into people's lives for the love of Jesus to come and touch your family, to come and touch your work colleagues. This is what He wants you to do. And and part of how we do it is we've got to hear from God, get a strategy and respond and obey what God's asking us to do. Because He's not after us following a method. He's after us following His voice. And I wish I could give you a method. It would be so much easier if I had a three-point sermon on how to bring Jesus to your world and how to be effective in that and successful in that. But the reality is it's not a method. It's, it's us as believers hearing His voice and obeying in the smallest things, 
in the smallest things. He wants to use you. Can anyone can be used by God? And maybe for you, it's what's he saying to you? Maybe for you, it's getting to work early and praying over your workplace, over your colleagues. Maybe he wants to use you at the dog park, talking to someone as you're walking your dog. I don't know. Maybe he wants you to share a meal with someone who can't, who could never repay you. Telling a random about Jesus. Maybe telling someone a family member that lives far away that you haven't connected with for a while and God's stirring in your heart to maybe call them and get reconnect that relationship and have an opportunity to share your faith with them one day. Maybe he's asking you to start an organisation to bring hope and healing to our communities, to bring Jesus. I don't know. Maybe he's asking you to start a church. We need more churches. We do. We need one on every corner of this planet. Maybe he's asking you to go on a mission trip or whatever, start a connect group in your uni. I don't know, whatever. He's laying on your heart to bring his love to this world. We need, we need that awakened today. He's speaking. He is speaking and he's not after a method. He's after you hearing his voice. The government's not going to solve our problems. I'll give you the hot tip. Jesus is going to solve our problems. It's going to solve the issues in this world. And you are the plan to bring Jesus to the dark places of your world, in your street, in your workplace. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.